This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. That is Barry Bonds 13 years ago. How do you feel about it? Barry Bonds, the home run king with 762, breaking uh, Hank Aaron in that moment right there of 755 when Bonds hit his 756th home run. And I'll say what I said earlier and kind of got this topic going a little bit here, at least uh, on my timeline, and that is... I think this is the least celebrated milestone maybe in sports history. And it might be the best milestone in sports. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the same way? I guess I guess that's why I'm asking it. I I don't know if that's just me and I I have blinders on to it or I'm just kind of like I put Barry Bonds. I don't really consider him that. Uh, even though I consider Barry Bonds great, by the way, and I still think I'll tell my great, great, great grandkids about the year he had where mm-hmm. it was either walk, intentional walk, double or home run on everything he hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just don't consider him the home run king. I don't consider that milestone be- of his near what I consider others. Yeah, Um Listen, once again, it comes back to the fact that I think his personality didn't really do him any favors. Obviously, um, it's a tainted record, so that didn't do him any favors. And like to me, like, even like the home run, like the whole prestige of being the home run leader in a season to me was tainted with Mark McGuire. It was tainted with Sammy Sosa, tainted with Barry Bonds. Now, don't get me wrong. Growing up as a kid, it was still entertaining. And, and maybe I guess I was kind of naive to the fact that, you know, I knew that they were cheating or not. I just, I, I guess I didn't really care. You know, now looking back on it, you know, and being 32 years old, I look back on it now, it's like, eh, it, it is kind of messed up. You know, um, I'm still thankful that it happened. It's still a, a very important moment in baseball. And one could argue that at those times with Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Ken Griffey, you know, Barry Bonds, like that's when baseball was thriving. That's when baseball was must-see TV. That's when baseball commanded all the Sports Center highlights. So I'm not mad at it because to me it helped put baseball on the map. But once again, like in, in terms of where does it rank up with – other popular records and things like that. I think we always look at championships first. I think that's going to be the most important thing. Are you a winner or not? Um, so championships will be king. And then, you know, I mean, as far as the home run title, that's, to me, Brent, it's lower on the list, man. I'll be honest with you. So some interesting responses uh, when I put that out there earlier this morning. And, uh, you know, First Coast Bubbler says it shouldn't be celebrated. Henry Aaron is the home run king. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What else did we, we'll go back. Gosh, we got a, quite a few responses on this. So, um, Brandon Rissler says, uh, I bet you remember where you were though. And I said, honestly, I don't like, I remember with McGuire and Sosa. I remember with some events, uh, but I don't remember where I was, uh, with, with Hank Aaron. Uh, I'm sorry, with, uh, Barry Bonds. Yeah. 
And that's kind of tells the story for me. I mean, it's that big of a milestone and I can't tell you where I was. I mean, most likely I was at work probably one night. I mean, but I don't know. I, I don't yeah. remember it. Uh, and I think that kind of says a lot. Now, others do remember and that's that's fine. Uh, let's see. uh Rich the Butcher. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is. I still recognize him as the undisputed home run king and a no-doubt Hall of Famer. And again, if we want to have the Hall of Fame conversation, I'm all in on the Hall of Fame conversation. Yep. He and Roger Clemens and others should be in the Hall of Fame. Without question, so should Pete you. Rose, so should many others. But that's not really as much this conversation. I Listen, uh, Barry Bonds, a tremendous player, one of the all-time great players. I just don't consider this record so great because he's got it. Well, That's where I'm at. Uh, UCF Sports Info said this. Such a shame Hank Aaron lost his home run crown to a steroid user. Barry Bonds was Hall of Fame great before he started steroids, but he wouldn't have passed Aaron without juicing. And you know what? He's not wrong. He would not have passed Hank Aaron without the help. Mm -hmm. Because someone later on goes on to say something like, I don't get how taking steroids helps you hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Well, I think the proof is in the pudding that these guys getting stronger made the ball go a little further. Yeah. When second basemen were hitting 50 home runs and Brady Anderson was hitting 50 home runs. But to be honest with you, when we talk steroids in baseball in that era, that's not what I think the big advantage was. Look at two of the, the guys that we talk about the most that should be in the Hall of Fame and aren't. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, where I think they got assisted by this kind of use, PEDs, mm -hmm. is longevity. See, I think steroids were a big helper in recovery. I don't know. I'm not like an expert on steroids. Yeah. But – I think that's where these guys got so much help. If you look at Bonds, he went into his early 40s. You look at Clemens, he went into his early 40s. Would they have been able to have that kind of longevity? Would they have been as good in the months of August, September, and even October if they weren't taking, if they weren't using at the point of their careers where they were? Those guys had previously had 10 great years in Major League Baseball, or maybe it's 8 to 10. I mean, they were in my this is why I always say Hall of Fame. They were on their way to the Hall of Fame already. They might have already had Hall of Fame careers before any of this even started. But absolutely longevity and some of the records they put up. Yeah. There's no way Bonds passes. Uh, I don't even know if he passes 700 home runs without that help. Sure. So does it have to do with hitting a 95-mile-an-hour fastball? Probably not unless somebody subscribes to it helped your eyes, which I don't really think they do. Uh, you, you still have to see what kind of pitch is coming at you. you absolutely. Know? Hitting is hard. Yeah. And uh, you and have to be a great hitter. I, w I would argue that the Houston Astros of last year had way more of an advantage with what they did as opposed to taking steroids. Good point. Good point. Uh, but the the – the brutality of the baseball season is not that it's a brutal physical sport and a violent sport. It's, it's the length of the sport. Yeah. And and as you start getting older, anybody who's now 35 or 37 or 38, you know you wake up in the morning. It doesn't feel like you did when 10 years prior. See, well, try doing that on a plane every night, landing at 3 in the morning, getting up, going to play again the next night, feeling hurt. Well, I think steroids really help that part when it comes to a lot of guys, and especially these record book guys like Bonds and Clemens. You know, I want to dive a little more into where does the home run record rank in, you know, one of the greatest accomplishments of all professional sports. And, like, as I look around other leagues and everything like that, like, see, to me, 
the problem with baseball and the problem with the home run record leader, whatever you think it's Hank Aaron or you think it's Barry Bonds, whoever you know you, you want to go to bat for here, no pun intended, kind of a pun intended, whoever you want to vouch for here, basically, keep in mind, we see a baseball player and he can be made up of a couple of things. He can bat for average. He can bat for power. He can be very. He can be a very great fielder. But like, just because you hit a lot of home runs doesn't mean you're the greatest baseball player of all time. Okay, just like when Ray Allen. I remember when Ray Allen broke the three-point record. You know, and I was obviously a big Ray Allen guy growing up. When Ray Allen broke the three-point record, that was a big deal. Like for me, it was. But on a global scale, I didn't see people celebrating, clamoring their TV, saying, well, Ray Allen's a three-point leader of all time now. Like, yeah, it's one thing. But at the end of the day, there's so much more attributes to be made up of baseball. I get it. Chicks dig the long ball, and that's great and everything. And I get it. A three-pointer can be a game changer. But give me points. You know, like, the beauty of football is you score a touchdown, that's it. Like, are you a good football player? How many touchdowns did you score? Are you a good defensive end? How many sacks do you have? Are you a good receiver? How many receiving yards do you have? Baseball, it's a little more where I, it's the eye of the beholder, right? Like, I can sit here and say Ichiro Suzuki, one of the best to ever do it. He wasn't a home run guy. So to me, it's just, it's a different sport and what we think, you know, in terms of where these rankings are in terms of home runs, in terms of batting average, you know, in terms of triples and doubles and all that stuff. There's a lot of attributes that can be made up of, you know, the history of baseball that, you know, like sports like football don't really have, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do think uh, that home run milestone is when, I, like, I don't know where, I, football isn't, see, baseball is such a numbers game. I'll finish the sentence in a moment. Hang on. Uh Baseball is such a numbers game, mm-hmm. and the records mean so much. There's a romance with the numbers in the record books, and that's why people get so mad about this kind of era, and they get they don't want to change some of the rules because of it. Even the DH now going the National League, perhaps a, on a permanent basis, is that the right thing to do? You know, all those numbers they want to protect the numbers of and the history of the game in the record books more than anything else. Like football's different. There are big records, uh, the touchdowns record, the passing record. Uh, the game has changed so much. The rushing record. I just don't know if they're celebrated. Even NBA, I don't feel like some of those milestone records are extremely celebrated. Uh, guys score a lot of points. Okay, it's a lot of points. Like We just don't compute it. Yeah. You know, It's so easy to compute. Or, I guess the other part of it with baseball is with that record, think about who it bridged now. Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. To Hank Aaron, mm-hmm. to, to 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 Barry Bonds, that's like a hundred years of playing. <laughs> you know, that's sure. where the record sat. Yeah, I mean, we don't get that in sports a lot. In baseball, you do get that. You get Joe DiMaggio. If somebody ever breaks, there's a romance. People know 56 game hitting streak because, well, it was done a half a century, more than a half a century ago. Yeah, and it doesn't look like it will ever be broken. Can we say that about records in in football and in basketball? Probably a few sacks, I think, are up there. You know, like this is the sack record. Yeah, but you don't think like I mean, you don't think like Khalil Mack will get like well, he couldn't get twenty three sacks in a season. Joey Bosa. Oh no, Nick I mean, Bosa? I think they definitely can. But I'm just saying in terms of bridging, like I, I, I think uh, bridging. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think in terms of a great record, like you know, you had Reggie White, Strahan. Like to me, it bridges. The yeah, areas, that's fair enough. enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, like, in baseball, there are some stats that you just feel like might never be broken. I got you. Okay. Right? Okay. And, yeah, and, yeah. And Hank Aaron's was one of those, and then it got taintedly broken, Yeah. I guess, is, is kind of why it's one of those milestones. Uh, so it's an interesting conversation. But then, couple, wait, one second, Brent. Then. I'll get back to this real quick. All right, so then Pete Alonzo last year, 
53 home runs. Yeah. But nobody talked. I mean, and granted, it's not even close to the record. But listen, this, this guy's fresh on the scene and everything. You should be intrigued and excited. Now, granted, COVID-19 kind of shut that whole hype down this year. But how come we weren't celebrating Pete Alonso then last year? Well, I think people were. And here's the deal. As a baseball, I would say I lean toward the purist and traditionalist in baseball. I think that's kind of a joke. It's a home run era. Okay, that's one thing. The ball at Major League Baseball did something to it. And everybody acknowledged it almost on a public level. Like, we're we're fixing the game sometimes in the last 25 years in, in baseball. Mm-hmm. And, again, I will say this. Like, you can make Barry Bonds the villain of the steroid era. The folks that don't get enough criticism and venom when it, people talk about the steroid era is Major League Baseball itself. They knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. They knew it. They didn't do anything about it. And then they pinned it all on the players. Yeah. And and kind of made them the scapegoats for it. Well, it was a matter of survival because Major League Baseball allowed it to happen for as long as they they did. And Major League Baseball played, I think, a significant role in the numbers being historically crazy over the last couple of years. The baseball goes farther than it ever did. But but listen, though, it's not technology. They kind of crafted it that way. But to me, you can't have it both ways. Like you, you can't accept that guys who are on steroids were hitting Long shot after long shot. Because guess what? I don't care if it's for recovery. I don't care if it's for to you know to make you healthy during the the the, the gruels of a marathon of a of a season. Doesn't matter. It just so happens that three of the top home run hitters and Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa. I don't think Sammy Sosa ever really came out and said he was on steroids. Did he? Did he admit to? Well, well I think it's all okay. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's part of it. Yeah, but it's not a coincidence the fact that three guys who are doing steroids. We're also the home run leaders, okay? So say what you want about the recovery. I don't care. They had a competitive advantage. So don't forget about that when you talk about, well, the juice baseballs, the juice baseballs. Okay, that's a competitive advantage maybe, too, in terms of home runs. But you had that a couple of decades ago, too, with the home run chase. Yeah, I think there's the one caveat here for me is one difference is everybody's playing with the same baseballs or similar baseballs. Yeah. You had to make the choice with steroids, whether you wanted to do it, cheat the game, cheat yourself, cheat your yeah. teammates cheat the fans and everything else. Major League Baseball has kind of crafted a ball that I think kind of cheats the history of the game. Yeah. Like, and I'm not big on that either. These guys would still be hitting a lot of bombs, by the way. But I have seen, I've seen my own kid hit a minor league baseball that was made in the last two years, and it travels 20 feet further. I'm not lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not lying. Insane. And that's with a 90 pound kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagine if you if you're 280 pounds like Judge. Yeah. So I, I don't like that part of it either, but you had to make the choice back in the day about steroids. And I do defend the players and say Major League Baseball deserves more of that, mm-hmm. more of the criticism, because the players, it was like survive. You're oh, surviving. Yeah. If you Again, I say this a lot. I'd like to say no, I wouldn't. Survival you had a man. chance to if you wanted to in, yep. in your sport to take them. You didn't. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me, Brent, here's the deal. Go out there and bust your butt and try like heck, and, and you've worked hard to get here, and you're a pretty good ball player, uh, but you're probably going to hit like uh, 12 home runs, um, or and you're going to fight for your life in your roster spot for the next three years, mm-hmm. or take some of these, hit 28 home runs, and then you sign a five-year deal worth $100 million. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. I hear you, man. I no, think I'm, I'll join, do what everybody else is doing. Listen, and, and when we discuss this and stuff, and, and I've stated this before, but you want to talk about Ken Griffey Jr. and the, the amount of respect and admiration that I got for that dude. 
because, I mean, to me, if anybody felt pressure to do steroids, it should have been Ken Griffey Jr. Now, once again, like I don't think he did. Obviously, it's never been proven. But listen, to me, Ken Griffey Jr. was as clean as they come. And if I'm wrong about that, one day something comes out, then so be it. And I'll say I was sorry and I was wrong. But I don't think so. I don't think Ken Griffey Jr. ever touched steroids. You want to talk about a guy who was in the middle of that home run chase and all that stuff. You want to talk about a guy who was plagued by injuries towards the end of his career, who probably needed a little pick-me-up, a little boost to try to you know, get himself back to feeling halfway normal again. And he never did it. You know, and and to me, regardless of what you think about the Big Mac or Slamming Sammy or Barry Bonds, that's why to me Ken Griffey Jr. will always be the game changer. That to me is why Ken Griffey Jr. was the cool guy of baseball, and why I have so much respect for him, and why I think he kind of raised the generation of baseball players because he never touched it. You know, and and you can't say that. So no, and yeah. and that's I guess that's kind of where it is in my mind. I mean, some people how do you, that's kind of how I got on this today. Once I saw that, it's like. Yeah, I don't really recognize – I recognize Barry Bonds as one heck of a player, like an awesome player, one of the greats. Mm-hmm. And I think he should should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago. I think the, the writers are crazy, and I think it's asinine that they're not in the Hall of Fame, guys like him and Clements. I, I'll say that till I go to my grave. Well, but I just yeah. don't put them in the categories of the Hank Aarons and the, and the Babe Ruths and – uh, when it comes to the milestone kind of performances like this one that he has. Yeah, and and we're on the same page here in terms of the Hall of Fame. And you said a couple times, Brent, like you think there should be their own wing. Right? I do. Of, and th- that's not a bad idea at all. But w- when you're the sports media or you're voting on this and, and you don't vote Roger Clemens in or you don't vote Barry Bonds, you're essentially to me is like you're trying to ignore history. Like, you're, you're, you're trying to erase history and say, this never happened, this never happened. Well, guess what? It happened, and it was some of the most influential stuff to happen to baseball. So whether it was right or wrong, you have to celebrate that. You have to embrace that because it's history, man. You want to talk about a sport of baseball who values itself on history, how you can't vote those guys in, and like you said, have their own separate wing? I'll never understand that. Yeah, and I don't understand it. Uh, I'll just say it one more time mm-hmm. because it was baseball's own damn fault. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Yeah. So, uh, and these guys are the ones getting penalized, even though they had great careers. Uh, by the way, uh, Dalt Dixon, too, says, I celebrated my ass off. Barry's the goat. But, yeah, you're right. People don't seem to appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I'm one of those that don't appreciate it. Uh, Bonds is the home run king, period. Uh, says, uh, uh, T. Yeah. <laughs> Just T. That's it. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. We got any other ones? Shane Babe Ruth played against Inferior Town. Oh, this was, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that was kind of a snarky response. Yeah. Um, this is Mark Taylor said, I still don't understand how taking steroids helps you hit a 95 mile an hour fastball. Bonds was an all-star before the steroid era, wasn't he? Yeah. And I just explained all that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. The, but he would not have been the home run king, uh, well, is, is the, uh, absolute point yeah. of that. Let's see if we got any, uh, I think that's it, uh, in terms of, uh, some responses on the Barry Bonds front. I just hope that we, because, I mean, it seems like growing up in my childhood, Brent, like, there was a steroid era, right? So it was prominent and everything. But you want to talk about so many great players. And, and listen, like, it's my goal one day. I want to take my son to Cooperstown, right? And when I take my and son to Cooperstown, I, I want to walk around and be like, I remember when I was your age, like, this guy was big. Well, I can't do that to Roger Clemens right now, right? I, I can't do that to Barry Bonds. So uh, whatever. Take the ego out of it. I don't care what kind of people they were. I just care about the influence they had on the game of baseball, and the writers should do the right thing and get him in the Hall of Fame so like one day I can take my son and show off Barry Bonds, show off Sammy Sosa, show off Mark McGuire, and say, this is what I grew up with. Check this out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you see this story out of baseball, by the way, that Eric Kay, a former director of communications for the Los Angeles Angels, was charged by the DEA saw this. with illegally supplying drugs to pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Remember, he was found in his hotel room in Texas well, and, and, it, and died? It was fentanyl, too, correct? I believe so. Yeah, that's what I read. But yeah. he, he was the supplier. Yeah. And well, uh, he's being charged in the case. Yeah. And listen, I'm no expert on the situation here, but I know fentanyl is stuff you don't want to mess with. You you don't even want to touch it. And the fact that this guy was supplying fentanyl to somebody, it's just um, that's baffling, man. And that's I think crazy. that was the quote out of there. It's like it shows you that even a, you these you can't take that stuff, and you can be a major leaguer, and you can be a healthy. At, this is how deadly that stuff is. It's and and it was kind of more of a message yeah. of no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't discriminate in that case. PGA Championship, Hao Tong Lee uh, in the lead, eight under par. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, two back. Jason Day, uh, one under after four, so he's two back. Cameron Champ in the top five. Paul Casey as well. Tiger Woods, uh, he missed the birdie putt on the first hole from, it looked like it was about 10 feet or so. It was just an awful effort. Didn't even hit the hole, but he did par and uh, playing his second hole, so we'll see how Tiger does. He starts the day six back. Here's the thing for Tiger, if you're a Tiger fan, I told Ty this is today. Just give me two under. Two under? Give me two need? under. Get me four four under going into the weekend. <laughs> good luck with guys like Tommy Fleetwood on the horn get right now. Get me at least feeling good. Good luck. Getting feeling a little like, okay, I got Tiger has a chance. Just give me give me feel like Tiger has a chance. I don't yeah, really know weekend, if he has man. a chance, yeah. but let me feel like he has a chance. Absolutely. Especially if it's supposed to rain all weekend. Like, go ahead and give me some Tiger Woods this weekend. Yeah, I'm so, down, Brent. So Tiger I'm Woods in. four under would be just fine. Yeah, because uh, I think actually that Hao Tong Lee score is going to be eight under. That's going to be lead the day. He's only made one bogey in the first two days. Uh, we'll see if Jason Day or somebody else can creep uh, back up there. Uh, I had to point this out. We were talking in the last break. We probably spent more time on bonds than I wanted to there, but the uh, casual Friday. We were talking uh, in the break, and somehow we get on injuries. And Kuz was talking about his hand. He's talking <laughs> about high tops, and I'm talking about like ankle sprains. Breaking and I walk ankles, out yeah. and I go get a diet coke, and I was like. Isn't it kind of funny that we're talking to Austin, who played in the NFL and uh, it fights in a cage for a living, about our little injuries of ankle sprains oh, no, and, and, man, and whatever your hand injury was. I didn't even stay for the conversation. It got stuck in a fence. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, dude. No, don't, don't think of it like that whatsoever, Mike. I've never really rolled my ankle too bad, but I've rolled a couple times. But I was telling Coos during the break, like, I think playing hockey actually helped my ankles out a lot. Because, you know, obviously having to balance on skates growing up, that really built my strong ankles. So thankfully I never had ankle problems as a kid. But, you know, I've broken my hand before. I've, I've uh, broken uh, my leg and stuff as a kid. So, like, dude, I, I understand those injuries, man. Just because, like, I played in the league doesn't mean that I can't sympathize with you guys, Brent. I'm with you. Yeah. But, hey, but don't tell me Coos going to you too now. What? Don't don't ever tell me that you guys got hurt playing golf because that's where I draw the line. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I guess my back gets a little tight that's towards okay. the end there. You know, I, saw, well, yeah, I broke good. a bone one draw time in my, my hand playing golf. It's it, they say it's pretty common. Um, <laughs> I played through it, but I have a funny story. Wait, yeah, like hit the ground. Like did it? Like was it like a? Yeah, yeah so, uh, I picture you taking the driver and hitting like some concrete with it well, and no, the vibration. I'm actually like I've done that more and more, and I'm like it hurts after. Okay, I'm like you're dummy. Don't do that. <laughs> like you shouldn't slam the club in the ground and, yep. and it hurts after. Yeah. So don't slam the club in the ground anymore. <laughs> hasn't stopped, it. though. It really hasn't. Well, uh, I told I you, last sure, weekend... I kind of fired up on the golf course the last couple months. so. What are we trying to prove here, man? Last weekend was the, was the first time that I went out there, and I really asked myself, I was like, why do I enjoy doing this? Yeah. 
I like. See, I admit to that though. Like, I, I'll tell Ty this. I tell anybody I play with. I like. There's something I enjoy about the struggle of golf. Like trying to find the the like. If if you could just go out there and you'd hit the same shot every time, take the same swing every time, it'd be something boring about that. Yeah, but that's what fun. I feel like I'm working towards, at That'd least trying to. So. That's yeah, that, that's the ideal thing. I know. So that's I'm still working do. towards. Yeah, I, I've I been you. working towards it for thirty years. <laughs> it hasn't happened. Uh, but this is kind of funny. So, uh, I, I will say this because nobody else saw it other than Ty. But I'll admit to it. I, I could have hurt myself today. I was, we were actually playing uh, down at Palencia and um, with Jeff Clauckett, former PGA guy, and uh, our buddy Jeff's doing well. And so on the holes, and it's like uh, the cart path, and they had like the stakes up in the, in the rope. Mm-hmm. And well, I didn't. I got out to go look for my ball and, and go back and hit it because it was like back ten yards, and the rough's pretty thick out there, by the way. Okay, and. Uh, I totally fell over the stake and like took a nosedive, man. I just like, I mean, if nobody else saw it, but it would have been hilarious if it was on. Like, I, right. I ended up, like, I didn't want to be like hit near the cart, so I actually kind of threw myself into the grass a little bit more because yeah. yeah. I wasn't saving it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I you were, you were up, pot committed. I ended up face first. In the grass. Luckily, there was a hill yeah. right there, so the other guys in the fairway couldn't see me. Here's the thing, Brent. Here's the thing. <laughs> Two types of followers in that situation right now. Which one are you? There's the follower that obviously, I mean, let's be honest. You knew you were going to fall, and you knew there was no saving it, so you had to accept it. I was down. There's the one person who would fall down and kind of like play it off, like hurry up and like jump back up and kind of say like, oh, my shoe must have given out or something. Or there's the guy that just lays down there, rolls over, <laughs> and just goes with it. Just, you know, completely falls with it, if you will. Kind of like Shaquille O'Neal used to do playing NBA. No, Which one were you? I was the second. You're the second. Because <laughs> he just embraced there it. There was no going back, man. Like, I couldn't even – I can't describe to you how I fell. It was that, like, awful. Yeah, yeah. Degree of difficulty was probably pretty hard. A little drama at the end to make sure I finished it off in style. <laughs> but then I just was laughing at myself so much. Yeah, I was like yeah. – cause, and, and at that point, you realize you're like, well, if anybody saw me, you can't hide it. Exactly. You just looked like an idiot you falling down. can't play down. it off. can't and play it off. Ty kind of just – like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> He's too nice. He doesn't say anything. He bust sure. my chops. Of course, he'll probably do it later tonight or something. I right? hope so. I hope he does. Come on, Ty. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, what's happened. Hey, uh, before we take a break, FCS playoffs will not be held this fall, uh, even if some schools play. So here's the deal. College football you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Uh, The lower half of Division I college football has fallen short of the NCAA's recent mandate that playoffs will require 50% of eligible teams participate in a regular season. So there it is. Uh, The number fell below the threshold after both the Pioneer Football League and Big Sky Conference announced they won't have fall competition due to the pandemic. Uh, The Pioneer Football League, by the way, used to be what JU played in up until uh, their program folded last year. And so no FCS postseason well, this uh, year. Our thoughts and condolences go out to North Dakota State, who was going for their fourth straight national championship. Yeah, uh, they also mentioned, you're right, they mentioned actually North Dakota State, uh, three straight FCS titles, yep. eight of the past nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also, why don't you just give it to them? I mean, they're probably going to win another one. <laughs> and, well, yeah, that's a good point. One of the uh, uh, CAA schools, uh, which is 2019 runner-up James Madison, ah. reverse course ended pursuit of a fall season on Friday, this article says. 
The so, Dukes, right? That's interesting. James uh, Madison Dukes. I think so. I, think yeah. Dukes. Uh, I, I didn't realize that was a 50% threshold. I guess we've never really had these kind of conversations before where that many teams wouldn't play or, yeah. or something. But I didn't realize that was the threshold for it. And uh, that shuts down the, the playoffs in the FCS. That's a bummer. And obviously we'll see how the story develops Well, here. like in Division well, Two, and like we mentioned with Austin Reed yesterday, once yeah. that determination happened, other people are like, well, if they don't do that, then we're not playing conference. This is kind of where and I'm And then ge- you could lose more people. This is where I'm getting. Teams. At right now, obviously, I think at least where I stand, Division One is going to happen. You know, SEC yeah. is going to happen, Big Ten is going to happen. That's fine. Where do you see the FCS, Brent? By the time football season rolls around, like by the time the first game is supposed to start, do you see them playing a season or not? Well, if they're already under fifty percent, I, I would say no. Because um, now there is a mention in here, by the way, that they could shift to the spring. If I'm an FCS, no, because think about recruiting. I mean, no, think about like the draft, though. I mean, Trey Lance, North Dakota State, is supposed to be like the top five pick. I I get it, and then yeah. they'd have to make decisions. But think about it. Take that out of consideration for a moment. I understand that is yeah. a consideration because a lot of guys come out of the, these schools and go to draft or have chance to. For sure. But if you're the programs in the schools and you could play in the spring, much like we talked about with the group of five, and it gives something and maybe more TV time and all this other stuff, and at least you get it in, and by that time you can have fans and money yeah. means something in those sports, especially football. Well, then you consider doing it instead of folding the tent. Say, hey, let's 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 make a run toward the spring instead no, of playing. No, I, I hear you. And let's be honest, the, the demand for FCS football probably isn't the highest compared to an SEC or ACC kind of thing. I just I don't know. Do you really want to compete with college basketball though during the season, like like a legit D one? Because you know, because you know how it works in college basketball, they're all D one. I mean, FCS, it's like difference, so I don't know if you want to compete with college basketball. There's a lot of consideration. I mean, it's not going to be perfect regardless. It's either do nothing yeah, or try something different. It's crazy. But that's the FCS, uh, where some good programs and some uh, good players, and you mentioned North Dakota State uh, right front and center uh, of all of it. Alright, we got one more segment here on a Friday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 600. We wish we had more. We have plenty to talk about. We're going to end the show with an update on the PGA Championship. And also Gardner Minshew. I saw an article today, and it got me thinking about other draft picks and Gardner Minshew. Talk about it next on ESPN 690. Getting to know uh, Coach Gruden, you know, he's aggressive, but his schemes, his offense was pretty easy to learn for me in year three. But also the spacing that he has on his route. Uh, I, I love it, the different combinations. I love it. I talked to Gardner. I actually talked to him yesterday about it. I'm um, asking him, you know, is the offense being tailored to his strengths? And he's very confident about that, which is good. You know, if he's happy and he's comfortable, that makes everybody else comfortable. So I think it's going to be a pretty good season for us offensively because we all, this whole offseason, we've been getting together learning this offense. Get excited about that offense when you hear DJ Chark talk about it, don't you? Without a doubt. It does remind you of a couple things now. Gardner Minshew came in last year. This was Nick Foles' offense. wasn't his offense. This is an offense built around a running game and the play action, not out of a shotgun formation or at least a spread kind of look to scan the field and survey the field like we saw in the final game against Indianapolis where he had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And doesn't it lend to we'll see more of that? that Indianapolis kind of look than we saw maybe in the other games earlier in the season with Minshew. Uh, it sounds like that. And DJ Chark's excited about it. 
Listen, guys get excited this time of year. There's certainly there's no reason not to be excited. You like what you see. You're putting in work. Uh, so it, it all comes with a grain of salt in that respect. But I think we're going to see something different. And to me, that excites me a little bit because we've seen a lot of bad on offense for the last dozen years, or at least not good enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing something different, trying something different, philosophically, uh, I at least get excited about. Yeah. I mean, as you should, like, listen, let's be honest here. And you know how I feel about it, Brent. Offense gets the glory, but defense wins games. But in terms of rating, in terms of hyping the team up, in terms of just people going to the stadium, and obviously it's going to be different this year, but people getting excited, it's about that offense, baby. It's about the Kansas City Chiefs, you know? Like people want to tune in. It's about Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. Like, yeah, they had a great defense, but we talk about the offense. And let's be honest here, the past decade here in Jacksonville, there hasn't been a lot to talk about the offense. And in doing so, it's hard to get excited. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you talk about the offense, you talk about the quarterback. I saw an article today in Sports Illustrated about Joe Burrow mm-hmm. and doing a little bit. Really, it was about the class, like Tua and Burrow and others, about projecting what they will do, can do in their rookie seasons. So along those lines, there's something else in here that actually got my attention. But I'll, I'll give you what they basically said. Uh, there's this, this line says, moderate amount of confidence in Joe Burrow. For example, throwing for more than 3,700 yards this season, uh, assuming it's 16-game season, mm-hmm. uh, and 24 touchdowns is, I guess, like a betting odds for him. Sure. Uh, 3,300 yards... And 20 touchdowns for Tua mm-hmm. if he's playing in a 16-game season. Which he probably won't be. He probably won't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, they go on to say, here's what uh, this says. Burrow, 16 starts, 62.5% completion percentage, 3,600 yards, 20 touchdowns, and fewer than 14 interceptions. Okay. All right? So what they're basically saying is, hey, that would be a good sign. I mean, let's be honest. That'd be a pretty good rookie campaign. 20 and 14, 62% completion, 3,600 yards, 16 starts. If you're a Bengals fan, you'd take that. And you'd be like, all right, mm-hmm. here we go. Right? For sure. What were Gardner Minshew's numbers last year? Last year, Minshew um, started in 12 games, played in 14 games, 21 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Uh, 60.6% uh, percent completion percentage. And then 3,271 yards. Okay, so 300 yards less than this number. Yeah. One more touchdown, eight less interceptions, and a percentage and a half less on the completion in uh, four less starts and in, in really two less games. Well, and keep in mind, too, he also had 13 fumbles. Now, I'm not sure how many of those were recovered by the Jaguars, but he, he put the ball on the ground 13 times. And that was definitely more of a problem in his first stint as the starter than it yeah. was after when he replaced yeah. Foles. But, I mean, it, it still counts, you know. But my point being, if they, if Joe Burrow has Minshew's numbers, mm-hmm. Cincinnati's like, here we go, baby. We got our guy. For sure. Absolutely. Much like we said about Kyler Murray. And this is really a statement you said going way back all the way to last season, toward the end of last season. If he was drafted in the first round, if yep. he was drafted even in the second round, people would be like, let's go. Without it's the doubt. fact that it's, he's drafted in the sixth round. Yep. Uh, it, it just amazes me uh, in that regard. Here are the first-year completion percentages and interception totals of every number one pick since 2010. Oh, let's hear this. All right. All right. Sam Bradford, 60%. Yep. 15 picks. Cam Newton, 60%. 17 picks. Andrew Luck, 54%. Mm-hmm. 18 picks. Probably threw the ball a lot more. Jameis Winston, 58%. 
15 picks. That's story of Jameis' career. Jared Goff, 58%, 11 picks. Baker Mayfield, 63%, 18 interceptions. Gardner Minshew had better numbers than all of those guys in his rookie season, except for the completion percentage of Baker Mayfield, who was at 63. Yeah. Why shouldn't I be excited? No, you should definitely be excited. And then listen, I, I'm not trying to rain in your parade right now because I can tell you're excited. We're going to the weekend. We're trying to have a feel-good moment here on ESPN 690. I get what you're trying to do. I appreciate it. Thank you. But we got to put the fumbles in, in, in the case there too, Brent. Okay? That's we, fine. We, we got to put the ball on the ground. And, and the other thing too, and once again, I'm not trying to be a, a Gardner Minshew denier because you know where I stand on it. I was the guy that was saying if he was a first-round pick, we should be celebrating it. But he's not. So now people are kind of indifferent sometimes, it seems like, towards him. But I'm just saying in terms of the first overall pick, what happens usually with those guys? They go to teams that have nothing around them. True. Right? And they, they, there's a reason why they're the first overall picks because – they sucked the, the previous year, right? And when you suck the previous year, it means you don't really have a good roster. Now, obviously the Jaguars last year, that roster, no, it wasn't a top 10 kind of roster, but I think it was serviceable compared to the Redskins. I think it was more serviceable compared to the Dolphins. So I'm not ready to write that roster off just yet. I'm just saying in terms of if you want to compare the the, the, the top number one overall picks, a lot of those guys didn't have a lot of weapons at their disposal. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think, I mean, they're still a 6-1 team, which means they had some talent, sure. uh, you know, around them uh, to win six games in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's interesting is even that prognosis, the Bengals believe, uh, a lot of people believe Burrow and the Bengals will be better than the Jags this year. Mm-hmm. And they still predict those kind of numbers and say they're okay yeah. for Burrow. Yet, not a ton of love for the numbers that that Minshew put up uh, in the time that he was in. So I just I found that interesting going back and looking at the number one picks, the completion percentage, and then the interception totals. And what's it, let's take this one further. Sam Bradford now, to be honest, never really materialized mm-hmm. in the much. A lot of it was health, but he never materialized. Correct. Cam Newton became the MVP of the league at one time, although I think he always has had problems with completion percentage and accuracy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also been asked to do a lot. Andrew Luck became Andrew Luck, and I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that that's who Minshew's going to be. Winston did a lot of good things, never got over the turnover part uh, in, in his career, and that's why he's now a backup in New Orleans. Uh, Jared Goff, you know, actually that next year got him to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, and much – maybe he's a cop here, not long-term, but in that second year because McVay goes over there, kind of gets this offense going – fits well with Goff and has him playing really well. Could Gruden have the same kind of impact on a guy like Minshew is an interesting one. And Baker Mayfield has been kind of up and down. He's kind of rode the roller coaster and been a bit of a yo-yo here. So So, I don't know. My point being is outside of Luck and Newton, who who overall has had a really good career, but statistically you wouldn't fall in love with anyway. These guys have been some – they've had their warts. If, if these are who we're going to compare them to, being better than these guys Listen, doesn't make you a, a perennial pro bowler. Listen, I don't want to compare Gardner Minshew to these guys because, like I said, it's different in terms of when you compare someone to the top overall pick, the roster that they have, and things like that. So here's what I want to do. Let's go ahead and one-up this challenge right now. Let's go ahead and take this conversation even further. 
Let's go look at Russell Wilson's first-year numbers. Let's go work, look at Dak Prescott's first-year numbers. Keep in mind with Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, when they were brought in in the sixth round, well, obviously Russell Wilson was a little higher taking that Dak Prescott sixth-round pick, but when they were brought in, they were not brought in to, to take over right away. Right, because mm-hmm. the, 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 there was good things. Obviously, I think Matt Flynn was in Seattle. Right, they spent all the money on Matt Flynn, and then you had Tony Romo in Dallas. Let's see these guys' rookie numbers real quick. And keep in mind, they went into a lot better situations as rookies than Gardner Minshew did. Correct? I mean, I think you'd agree with me there. No doubt. Okay, Russell Wilson, rookie year, he went eleven and five, three thousand one hundred and eighteen yards, sixty four point one percent completion percentage, higher than Gardner. 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Okay, that, those, are, those are actually on-pace numbers mm-hmm. that Minshew would have been on. Mm-hmm. Probably the 10 picks and the 26 touch. He went up 21-6, and six, yep. and the yardage he would have been right there. Yep. Actually, he had more yardage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the percentage uh, Russell Wilson seemed to be a little bit better on uh, because Gardner, I think, was at 60.5, you said, or 60.6. And keep in mind, too, so his rookie year fumbled six times. Next year, fumbled 12 times. The following year, fumbled 13 times. Russell. Okay. Yeah, Russell did. Hmm. Okay. How about since then? Does it have it since? Uh, yes, yeah, since then. So then uh, his highest number came actually 2017, fumbled 14 times. But did he drop it way down in any of those years? Uh, it came, his fourth year was seven. Okay, um, that's not fifth bad. Years, yeah, as I guess much so as his, he runs around, seven probably isn't bad. Well, it doesn't say how many he lost either. But. Yeah, and, and, well, and in his first year, is only six. But, I mean, I'm okay. sure he was handing the ball off a lot there. Sure. So, okay, so let's go to Dak Prescott now. Obviously, Dak Prescott, six-round pick out of... Mississippi, ring the wind the bell real quick. State. Mississippi State, thank you. <laughs> you know what I meant? <laughs> but goes into a great situation, okay? Obviously wasn't expecting to start. Romo gets the back injury and entered Dak Prescott. 13-3, and 67.8% completion percentage, 23 touchdowns, only four interceptions, 3,667 yards. So, I, I mean, what do these numbers really tell us? Maybe that's that percentage much. again? 67.8. Yeah, he had a good one. Yeah. Now, once again, had a lot more talent around him. Look at year two. Did he go up or down? Good call. Year two, none, he went 9-7, and seven, 62.9 completion down. percentage, 20, 22 touchdowns, down by one, 3,324 yards, down by 300 yards, 13 interceptions. Oh. Went up by nine. Nine. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Almost had too good, raised the bar too much in his rookie year. There you go. So those are good. That's that's again it's another reason or two to potentially the numbers. Yeah. If it depends, if you're a belie- numbers can be spun. They can. But if you're painting the picture that way, some would say numbers don't lie either. Mm-hmm. So where do you fall on it? Mm-hmm. And if you want to. Put it up against the guy. And by the way, he had game-winning drives. He had big plays. I continue to argue he had two or three plays that we haven't seen around here from a quarterback in well, maybe the best I've seen, actually, two or three plays since I've been here, which is a dozen years. Well, and listen, if you're a Jaguars fan right now, guess what? Numbers is all you have to go off of right now, okay? Because the sample size of Gardner Minshew, it's just not big enough. I mean, I can throw you the Matthew Stafford numbers all day. Does that mean he's a great quarterback? Mm, I don't know. He hasn't won a lot, okay? So right now, after one season, you know, after playing, I think, in 14 games, starting 12 of those games, all we have to go off of right now is numbers. And the numbers say, the analytics say, Brent, is that we should be excited. 
28 touchdowns, 12 picks would be fantastic. He'll throw for over 3,500 yards because I do that now in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> and I would like to see the, the the completion percentage getting the ball out quick. Yeah. Be up close to 64% if you could. 63, 64% would be nice. Take a leap in that department. I'm telling you, you asked me this question, outside of wins and losses, what's the biggest category? Yep. I believe, as long as he's not this eyesore at interceptions, I think the big category is accuracy. Can he take a jump up in accuracy? Hey, by the way, yesterday on the show, remember Kuz? I said, what's up with the Bucks? Yeah, hey, not worried about that. I mean, after I said that, <laughs> I don't even know who they were playing. Who were they playing? The Heat. Heat. Yeah. Did the Heat ever score again? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> they that's ended up winning by like 15. Oh, yeah, that's NBA for you. I was never worried. You had worried a good day yesterday. Yelich hits an inside it. the park over on a ball that I could have caught in left field. <laughs> well, someone had to fill the stands, Brent. By the way, Tiger Woods, a bogey on the third hole uh, in his uh, second round. We'll see how he does. Enjoy the PGA Championship all weekend long. Bring Enjoy home, your weekend, Bring everybody. Bring it home, Tommy. Make sure you check out CBS 47 and Fox 30 all weekend as well. 10.30 on Fox 30, 11.30 on CBS 47. And uh, we'll see you back here Monday on ESPN 690. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.